Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know, the church is a place of prayers. Hallelujah. It's a place. Jesus Christ said that my house shall be the house of what? The house of prayers. Not a den of thieves. It's not a marketplace where you transact any currency. It's not a marketplace where we transact anything either, you know, than spiritual things that concern Christ. So as you come in here, I want to encourage you to participate in everything that we do here. Don't be just an onlooker, but participate in every single thing that is done in this place. There is no way help will come except in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. This is the right thing to do. This is the exercise to do. While we are young, we serve the Lord with everything. With our strength, with our mind, with our intellect, and with everything that concerns us. Now, the church, as we always say, is also a school. Hallelujah. The church is a school for ministry. The church is, a, is the seminary for raising ministers of the gospel. Hallelujah. Regardless of what you believe your calling is, so long as you're a believer, you are ordained by God to be a minister of the gospel. Amen? Now, let's, let's just, as an introduction, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4 to see this, the essence of we gathering as a church. And the reason why we do the things we do here and how we do them. Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11 to 14. Give me the New King James Version. He says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping, amen, for what? For the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. Every believer is a saint. Now, saints are not those who died and then they've been canonized. A believer is a saint in Christ. Hallelujah. For the equipping of the saints, for the equipping of all of us, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors and the shepherds, all of them have been given to us as a gift by God for what? For our equipping, for our enrichment, for our training, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. Perfection here means maturity. Hallelujah. To perfect man, to, be, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Hallelujah. So that is what we do here. We pray, we teach the word, we, we, pens, we, we, we thoroughly give ourselves to the teaching of the word. Hallelujah. Now the Bible is our only curriculum in this school. Amen. Not motivational speech, not our own life experiences. It could be easier for me to tell you a lot of experience. In fact, my life is so short that I can tell you my entire experience in, 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 one, in one meeting. And then that's all. There's nothing more. Hallelujah. So what we do here is not the experience of individuals. We don't experientiate anything that concerns us. We, 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 we deal with, with, with the word of God. Therefore, we must teach and learn thoroughly the word. Hallelujah. 
the word of God is the instrument by which that, you know, that can be achieved in the life of the believer. Verse 14 says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the chronic craftiness of deceitful plotting. That we will not be, you know, prone to deceit, falsehood, and all the trickery activities of the enemy. So the Bible is our curriculum. Therefore, we must teach it thoroughly. When I mean thoroughly, it's not casually. We come to the scriptures, we dwell, we spend time in the scriptures until it becomes real to us. Until we see a, a, a place of practicality in our lives. Hallelujah. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 4 talks about the scriptures. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 to 17. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 14 to 17. It says traitors heads okay. But you must continue in the things which you have learned. As Paul talking to Timothy you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And that from a childhood, you have known the Holy Scriptures. And oftentimes when I read this passage, I always want to enlighten those who are listening. That the Holy Scriptures here is referring to the Old Testament text. Hallelujah. It's not talking about the book of Matthew because that time the book of Matthew was not made available to the apostles. He's not talking about the book of Romans, neither is he talking about the book of Timothy. So when he talks about the scriptures here, he's referring to what? From Genesis to Malachi. Hallelujah. So he says that these holy scriptures, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for what? For salvation. So the scriptures are what we use in training in salvation. True faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures, that is the entirety of scriptures from Genesis to what? To Malachi in this context. Amen. Is given by what? Is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for what? For doctrine, which means instructions. Is profitable for teaching. Is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for discipline, for correction, for instruction in what? In righteousness. Hallelujah. That the man of God may be complete. This completeness is talking about what maturity. Complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. For every good work. The word of God, you know, the holy scriptures here, the word holy here means sacred. Something that has been set apart. To be set apart. Hagios Graphe, the holy scriptures, holy set apart consecrated for a special use. The scripture is to bring men into the wisdom. The wisdom of, of salvation for perfection, for our maturity, for salvation through Christ our Savior. Hallelujah. Now salvation through Christ is the only message of the scriptures. Amen. There are no messages in the scriptures. There's only one message in the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. And the message is what? Is salvation in Christ Jesus. In the midst of the stories and the conflict we see all over scriptures, the good things, the bad things we see recorded for our benefit, for our reproof, there is the message 
that is consistent from Genesis to Revelation. And the message is what? Salvation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The scriptures is about Christ. The message about salvation is about who? Salvation in, who? in Christ Jesus. The scriptures itself does not have eternal life. I'm saying this very carefully and very deliberately. If you follow me, you understand what I'm saying. The scripture itself does not have what? Does not have eternal life in it. That means if you read the scripture, you will not see eternal life there. Hallelujah. Eternal life cannot be found in the scriptures. The Bible itself cannot give you eternal life. The scripture only points to the person that gives eternal life. That is very crucial. Amen? The scripture itself does not have eternal life, but it is pointing to who? To a person that gives eternal life. So when you come to the scriptures, what are you looking for? You're looking for he who the scripture has been written about to whom we can obtain eternal life. Hallelujah. John chapter 14 verse 16. Jesus Christ was speaking here. John 14, 16 quickly. John 14, 16. Just and I will. John 14, 16. Brother, give me John 5, 39. John 5, 39. 5, 39. Say, so you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they that testify of me. Hallelujah. These are they that do what? They testify of me. There's a scripture that also says that you search the scriptures and them thinking you have eternal life. But they are they that what? That talks about me. Hallelujah. They are they that talks about Jesus Christ. So as we continue in our teachings, the unsearchable riches of Christ, riches in Christ, our focus is to look at Jesus Christ and all that we have in him. Amen? And our key verse, as we started from the last time, if you are writing for a topic, for those of us that are new today, the topic is the unsearchable riches in Christ. The, the unsearchable riches in Christ. Our key scripture is Hebrew is Ephesians of the three verse eight. Just give me that scripture. We read and we move. Ephesians of the three verse eight. It says to me, whom I'm less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles, the unsearchable riches. Of Christ. Hallelujah. Unsearchable here means the endless treasure available in Jesus Christ. The incomprehensible riches, the unfailing, the inexhaustible riches of Christ, which is beyond comprehension. Now, as a recap, and then we move on quickly. We said the last time that these riches are centered on the person of the Christ. Ephesians of the one verse 3, we look at it last time, right? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, we say that this riches that we're talking about is centered around the person. Ephesians 1, verse 3. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In who? In Christ. Hallelujah. So the address or the location of these riches, these endless riches, these unsearchable riches are where? Are located in Christ Jesus. So it is true knowledge, we said last time, that it is true knowledge of Christ that we can obtain all that we have been freely given through Peter 1 verse 2, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 2 to 4. The access into these riches is Christ. Jesus Christ is the way, is the truth, and he is the life. 2 Peter, or rather, 2 Peter 1 verse 2, 2 Peter 1 verse 2 to 4. 2 Peter 1, verse 2 to 4. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. Grace and what? And peace be multiplied unto you, to you rather, in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. As he, as his divine power has given to us all things. These all things is talking about the riches that we have as believers. Right? All things that pertain to life, that pertains to godliness. Through who? Through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. Verse 4, the last verse here. By which we have been given, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Promises. These promises are enshrined in the person of Christ. That through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption. That is in the world true lust. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we also established last time that what? That these riches are hidden mysteries. But now he revealed to the saints. We said that these riches are what? They were hidden mysteries in the in the old testament, in the old covenant period. That they were they were hidden mysteries. Give me Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. These unfathomable riches were a hidden mystery, but now has been made open, but now has been made available, but now has been made known to us believers. For this reason, we also, since the day we had it, do not cease to pray for you, that, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may work worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Hallelujah. So the believers have what? We have an inheritance. Give me verse. Yes, partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Hallelujah. So we who are in light have inheritance. And we are also partakers of that inheritance. Hallelujah. 
Let's jump to verse 24. Verse 24. Jump to verse 24. I now rejoice in my suffering for you and fill up with my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is a church, of which I, I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. The mystery which has been hidden. Now, this is what I talk about, the mystery. And we said last time that the mystery here means a hidden truth. Amen? It's not something spooky in nature, but it means something that is hidden. And our duty as a church, as a leadership, as pastors, as you know, leaders in church, is to reveal to you this truth. By the help of the Holy Spirit, as ministers of the gospel, our duty is to unravel this truth, that we will know them and we will apply them in our lives. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his who? To his sense. So you have access to this mystery, this hidden truth. You have the capacity in you to understand this truth. Verse 27. To them, God will to make known that what are the riches of the glory of, his, of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Hallelujah. That the totality of God is revealing Christ. And Christ dwells in the believer through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. This is a mystery that a man of old could not comprehend. These men under the dispensation of the law, that is those men under the Old Testament could not understand this mystery. It is hidden to those who are under the dispensation of the law. Now, what is this Old Testament dispensation? Now, this is very crucial for us to understand what we have. Amen? For us to enjoy what we have, it is very necessary that we know what we have, what, 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 what it means to be under the dispensation of the law. Hallelujah. Now, what is the Old Testament dispensation? What is the Old Testament dispensation? It's very easy for us to look at our Bible and say, okay, the Old Testament is from Genesis to Malachi, isn't it? Amen? What is the Old Testament scriptures? From what? From Genesis to Malachi, right? Hallelujah. Now, without understanding, let me take us to a study so that we can properly understand. Now, the Old Covenant, or sometimes you call it the Old Testament, now Testament means a covenant, right? The Old Covenant period, the period of the Old Covenant is between the book of Exodus to the Gospels. Amen? Pay attention to understand this. The Old Covenant or the Old Testament in its, in its literal sense, the period of the Old Testament is from the book of Exodus to the Gospels. When I talk about the Gospels, I talk about Matthew, I talk about Mark, I talk about Luke, I talk about John. That is also part of the dispensation. The last, up to the last chapters of this book of Matthew, from Matthew 28, is a transition into the new covenant. Hallelujah. The resurrection is actually a transition into the new, new covenant. So the last chapter of, of, of Matthew, Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, John 20 and 21, are actually the only part in dispensation that we can regard them as a New Testament era.
Now, the Old Testament or the Old Covenant is characterized by this one thing. When we talk about the Old Testament, the Old Testament is characterized by obedience to the laws of Moses. Amen? People have to obey the law as a means to obtaining favor. The Ten Commandments and the ceremonial laws and the civil laws that God gave to, with our understanding, we say God gave to Moses. Whereas the New Covenant era is characterized by what? By grace and faith in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The New Covenant is characterized by what? By grace. What is grace? Grace means unmerited favor in simple English words. The new covenant is characterized by grace and what? And faith in Jesus Christ. Whereas the old covenant is characterized by what? By obedience to the laws of Moses. When we talk about the law of Moses, we talk about Exodus, the laws given in Exodus, Leviticus, and all the do's and the don'ts that God, that he gave to the people of Israel. Hallelujah. Now, why did I say Matthew, Mark, and Luke, John can or should be classified under the old covenant. Why did I say this? That they are part of the old covenant. Galatians chapter 4 verse 3. Quickly, let's have this cleared. Galatians chapter 4 verse 3. New King James. Even so, we, when we were children, we're in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time, of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under what? Under the law. Hallelujah. Now what it means is this. Jesus Christ was born during the era of the law. Amen. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was an explanation or a record of Jesus' ministry on earth. Jesus was born under the law. And until the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, men were still bound by the law. Hallelujah. So therefore, the New Testament, the, 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 the Matthew, Mark, John, Luke era was still the era of the old covenant. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15. Amplified. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 to 17. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 15 to 17. Amplified. To help us understand this more. For this reason, he is the mediator who is he talking about here? Talking about Jesus, right? For this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator of a new covenant. That is the entire new agreement uniting God and man. So that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance. That is the riches we are talking about. Are we together? That we may receive the eternal fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance since a death has taken place as the payment which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. Hallelujah. So in here, this, this verse here, 
refer to the old covenant as something that is obsolete. Something that has expired. Hallelujah. Something that is no longer of use. I used to teach before. I've taught this here before and I repent. Hallelujah. That when we talk about the law, there are some part of the law that we should keep. Amen. We are to keep, there are some part of the law which are, which are the, the moral law. Amen. That we should keep as believers. And there are some that is ceremonial that is concerning the people of Israel that we shouldn't keep. But I've searched my Bible. I've searched, I didn't see that, that idea in the Bible. Hallelujah. I didn't see that concept in the Bible. Which means that the entirety of the law have been nullified. Hallelujah. The entirety of the law has been rendered obsolete. And a new covenant, right, has been brought in Christ Jesus. Verse, 15, verse 16. Verse 16. For where there is a will and testament involved, that is when there is a covenant, right? When there is a will, that's why we say the new and the old testament, the new and the old covenant. Where there is a will and a testament involved, the death of the one who made it must be established. That is before we can have the new covenant, the death must be established. Amen? Now verse 17. For a will and testament takes effect only at death. So between Matthew, Mark, John, and Luke, the death of Jesus Christ is yet to be established. Therefore, the old covenant is still in effect. Are we together? For a will and a testament takes effect only at death, since it is never enforced as long as one who made it is still alive. If your father write a will, and then you keep it on the table, do you go and claim the will while he's still alive? What do you wait? You don't pray for him to die. Even though some of us are so callous that we are praying for somebody to die so that we can inherit properties, right? But unless there is a death, the new has not yet come. Hallelujah. Now, this understanding is very crucial for us to understand, you know, the things that we have in Christ Jesus. It's very crucial. It's very important. Amen. Now, how do we then classify the book of Genesis? Since I said that the old covenant is between Exodus and Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Then where do Genesis fall? The new covenant or the old covenant? Now, Genesis is actually the book of the beginning. It is not the old covenant era. Now, I'm going to explain this. Amen. This is very important. The book of Genesis is not the all covenant era. It is actually where the New Testament started. It is actually where the new covenant was established from the beginning. That is the will of God for humanity. Before the introduction of the law, or what we now refer to as the all covenant. So actually, the all covenant is actually the new. Amen? And when Jesus Christ came, he restored us back to what is all from the beginning, from Genesis. Hallelujah. Let's go further into this understanding. Why do we say Genesis is classified under the, the new covenant? Let's go back to our criteria from the, from the beginning. Our characteristics, we say that the old covenant, right, is characterized 
by what? Obedience to the laws of Moses, right? Whereas the new covenant is characterized by what? By grace and what? And faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Abraham was a man of faith. Amen? Because before Abraham, the law was not given. So what was used to justify Abraham? What about Isaac? What about Moses? Prior to that moment, before the law. Hallelujah. Now turn with me to Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. Let's, let's fix this quickly. Galatians 3 verse 1. For us to understand that the, 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 the book of Genesis is actually the new. NLT please. Or rather NKJV. Galatians 3 from verse 1. Yes. All foolish Galatians. Now the context of this text is that the people of Galatia, the Galatians, have abandoned grace and faith. And they've returned back to obeying the laws of Moses. Touch not, eat not, do this, and then you'll be justified. And Paul is so angry with them and is writing to them. All foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who has cast a spell on you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Verse 2, quickly. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Verse 3. Are you so foolish? Sometimes when we say you are foolish here, we are not abusing you. We are just trying to tell you your condition. Hallelujah. When I, when sometimes we tell you that you are stupid. We are not really abusing you. We are trying to reveal to you that you are exhibiting foolishness and stupidity. Come back to your senses. Hallelujah. As you, are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Verse 4. Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham. Now, this is where I came in here. Hallelujah. This is where the book of Genesis came to play here. Just as Abraham believed who? He believed God. Faith. Hallelujah. Faith in God, in Christ. Believed God and it was accounted to him for what? For righteousness. For righteousness. Verse 7. Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Amen. And the scripture foreseeing that God will justify the Gentiles. By faith. Preach what? In the book of Genesis, really? The gospel? Preach what? The gospel to who? To Abraham beforehand. So what is the gospel? Gospel is what? Salvation in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel. So Abraham was preached the gospel. And what happened? And he believed, saying in you shall all the nations be blessed. This is not Isaac. So then who's those who are of faith are blessed with, with believing Abraham, right? For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, curse is everyone who does not continue in all the things which were written in the book of the law to do them. That means that if you, if you, if you refuse to obey one part of the law, whether ceremonial or, or whatever, or moral, it means they are cursed. Hallelujah. 
But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by what? By faith. Hallelujah. Yet the law is not of faith. Moses brought something that is not of faith. The introduction of the law is not of faith. But the man who does them shall what? Shall live by them. Hallelujah. Christ has redeemed us from what? From the trouble of the law, the curse of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on the tree. Verse 14. That the blessings of Abraham, hallelujah. Now the blessings of Abraham is not sheep, goats, animals. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm. That is not the blessings of Abraham. Hallelujah. If I begin to tell you much more of how Abraham amassed his blessings, you don't want to be partaker of that blessing. Abraham was robbing people to get his blessings. Have you read your Bible? How he will go and attack a place, conquer them and win their blessings. Is that the kind of blessings that God gives a man? Amen? There's something that is a blessing here. That the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles in who? In who? In who? In Christ Jesus. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men taught in only a man's covenant. Okay. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet it is confirmed. No one knows or asks to read. Which covenant are we talking about? The new. Hallelujah. Faith. That's the covenant he's talking about that no one can add and announce. Now to Abraham and his seed, where the promise made, he does not say to seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed, and this seed is who? It's Christ, not Isaac. Hallelujah. Verse 17. And this I say, that the law which was 400, so the law after Abraham, the law came 430 years after Abraham. The Ten Commandments came 430 years after Abraham, which means that Isaac didn't know about the Ten Commandments. Are we together? Jacob also doesn't know. Joseph also didn't know about it. In fact, the Israelites live in Egypt without the law. So if salvation is by keeping the law, then we can as well say that all those people were not safe. Hallelujah. And this I say that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul what was confirmed before by God in Christ. Which means that God has confirmed something in Christ before the introduction of the law. That it should make the promise of no effect. That the introduction of the, the new or the old covenant cannot annul what the new that was from the beginning. For it, if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer a word of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. So the men of all hold on to, held on to a promise. What purpose then does the law serve? Why, what then? Why do we need the law? What, what, why the law? It was added because of what? Because people refuse to believe. Hallelujah. People, people refuse to, the Israelites, they refuse to believe the salvation message by faith in Christ Jesus. They wanted to do some things. And Moses gave them the law. Hallelujah. It was added because of transgression. Till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. I don't want to talk about angels and, talk and tell you what happened with the Ten Commandments. Now a mediator right? Does not mediate for one only. Am I reading it right? 
Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is what? Is one. Hallelujah. Now the message of the kingdom from Genesis to Malachi is a hidden mystery. We've established it is. It is in types and shadows. It is Jesus concealed. It is prophecies and promises. The men of all believe the promises of salvation in Christ and are saved just as we in this dispensation. So God gave it to them as a promise. They held on to the promise about Jesus Christ. They believe that salvation will come through a man, Jesus Christ. They believe and God accorded it to them as what? As righteousness. And we in this era, we look back and then we also believe and also we are accorded righteous. Hallelujah. Not by works, not by doings, not by things we, don't, we didn't do. So the old covenant was actually an interruption of what? Of the new because of transgression, rebellion of men. We saw it in Galatians chapter 3, verse 17, and also verse 19. Give me Matthew chapter 19, verse 3, to prove it to us that actually the law is nothing. In fact, the law is not, is not what God really, really wanted. The Pharisees came to him, testing him, saying to him, it is lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason. Look at the Pharisees. I'm trying to tell you that Jesus Christ came when they were keeping the law, right? This is Matthew, verse, verse 4. And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who met them at the beginning? What is the beginning? Genesis. Hallelujah. Genesis is what I call it, the book of the beginning, right? And where the new covenant was actually introduced. And he answered them and said, Have you not read that he who met them at the beginning met them male and female? Amen. And said, for this reason, that is in Genesis, this quotation is Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one. Hallelujah. Verse 6. So then, they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man put asunder. Let there be no separation. Now, this was the plan of God from the beginning. They said to him, why then did Moses commanded us to give a certificate of divorce and to, to put her away. He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, because you refuse to obey, because you refuse to believe the new covenant that man has, been, has, has come into by faith through what God will do in Christ Jesus, because of the hardness of your heart permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning. Hallelujah. From the beginning what? It was not God's plan. Amen. It was never God's plan. That divorce should come to play. So God's idea of dealing with men. From the beginning. Has always been through faith. And grace. Talk about Noah. Enoch. Abraham. Moses. David. All of them operated under grace. Moses, Moses is a man that killed, right? Murdered someone and ran away. But look at the exploit God did with him. Isn't that grace? Isn't that grace? Oh, what about David? Not only that, he, he was so crafty. He didn't only commit adultery. He even schemed to kill the husband. Of the woman whom he snatched from. 
But yet God called him what? My best friend. Right? Man after my own heart, brother. Abraham was... So it means that God was dealing with these people based on faith, not by works, not by what they did and what they are doing or what they will do. By what? By faith. In what? In the message that has been given concerning the Christ that will come for the restoration of men. So why do men under the law have no ability to unravel this mystery? These unsearchable riches. Because that's our topic here. Why did men under the law were unable to understand this mystery, this, this riches, even though they believed. Amen? And they were accorded righteous, but they never had the ability to unravel this mystery, the revelation of this, of, of, of this mystery. Because this mystery can only be revealed by revelation of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So the difference between you and the men of the old, men in the old era, right, is that you have the spirit in you, and they did not have the spirit in them. So you are now have been given the ability to understand and to appropriate these things. Let's look at First Peter, chapter one verse ten, NLT. First Peter chapter one verse ten, NLT. First Peter chapter one verse ten. 1 verse 10. Of this salvation that we are talking about, the unsearchable riches in Christ, this salvation was something even the prophets, they wanted to know more about when they were prophesying. About this gracious salvation prepared for who? For you, the believer in Christ. This, yes, they wondered what time, oh, that means they never understand fully what it meant. That's what is meaning here. Because they never had the ability to understand it. They wondered what time or situation the spirit of Christ within. I said this last time. That this is not within. The translation here is not accurate. It's upon them. Hallelujah. Because they never had the spirit within them, right? That the spirit of Christ upon them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and the great glory Afterwards, verse 12. We're told that their message were not for themselves, but for you. And now, this good news has been announced to you by those who preach in the power of what? Of the Holy Spirit. Power of the Holy Spirit. Sent from heaven. It is all wonderful and even the angels. Listen, the angels also cannot understand it. Amen. Angels, even though they are spirit, but it's not given to them to understand the things that are for the sons of men, sons of God. Hallelujah. It is also wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things. They are wondering. They are so amazed by the wisdom of God. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2. Are we learning? First Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 
from verse 6. Yet when I'm among the mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom, no, the wisdom we speak is of the mystery of God. Hallelujah. Talking about the mystery, the hidden truth about God, the plans of God. His plan was that previously, his plan that was previously hidden, even though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began, right? But the rulers of this world have not understood it. They don't have the ability to understand it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord because they never had the understanding of what this mystery is. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10. But it was to us that God has revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Hallelujah. No one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thought except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit. So we can know the wonderful things God has freely given to us. Hallelujah. So we have the ability to understand what the things that God has freely given to us. Verse 13. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual, people who are not born again, people who aren't spiritual can't receive the things, this truth from God's Spirit. It all, it, it all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. That is why the most intellectual person on earth without the spirit of God in him will not understand the Bible. So don't be surprised. The need of the professor that is an atheist is not the Bible because he doesn't have the ability to understand the Bible. What he needs is an explanation of the gospel. And when he believes it, the spirit comes to him. Then he begins to understand. Hallelujah. What brings you to faith in Christ is not understanding is faith, is belief first, then you begin to understand. Hallelujah. So if you don't understand the things of the Spirit, it's okay. But now you can begin to understand. Because you have the ability in you to do what? To understand it. Hallelujah. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated. Amen. So it is spiritually discerned. And we have the spirit of God in us. We have more advantage than those that are of old. Hallelujah. Because they never had this ability in them. They never have this comprehension in them. They were never in the dispensation. Christ has not yet died. Because the spirit of God came only when Jesus died. Hallelujah. Amen. Can you begin to thank God for this truth? We've not even begun talking about the riches yet. We've not even begun, you know, Unblocking, rather, unboxing the mysteries, these mysteries. By so much belief that God has 
Open your eyes to this truth. And the truth is that you are loved by God. God was thinking of you from the beginning. God was thinking of you from the beginning. God has shown you mercy and has made you a partaker of these riches in Christ Jesus. Why can't you appreciate God? For the revelation of his word. Why can't you begin to say, Lord, thank you for this truth, for this enlightenment. The entrance of God's word bring it, brings with it understanding, brings with it light, comprehension of the mysteries of the scriptures. That God was thinking of you right from the foundation of the world. The fall of man in the garden of Eden was not a surprise to heaven. God has already ensured our relationship with him by giving Jesus. He said he was slain before the foundation of the world. That means before man was created, Jesus was already slain. Jesus was already slain even before man sinned. Behold what manner of love. Can he not with him give you all things if he didn't spare his one and only begotten son? If he didn't spare Jesus and he gave you Jesus Christ, can he not with him give you all things? What can separate you from the love of God? Lack cannot separate you from the love of God. Failure cannot separate you from the love of God. Even if you are, even in your unfaithfulness, God remains faithful. So this understanding should bring you to repentance. And when I mean repentance, I mean coming closer to God. He was thinking of you. I wish we would have gone further in this teaching today, but we'll continue. But don't feel unworthy of God's love. All these mysteries were hidden and are made available for your enjoyment, for your sake, for your participation. And this endless riches includes forgiveness in it. Hallelujah. It includes redemption in it. It includes sonship in it. It includes all that belongs to Christ. It belongs to you. So you can lay claim to all that belongs to you. So I want you to just reflect on the love of God towards you. And when you reflect on how God loves you, you should give birth to worship. The result of an understanding of God's love is worship. In this we rejoice. In this we jubilate. We are happy. We are full of joy. We rejoice because of this truth. 
Not because of mundane things that comes and goes and pass away. And I hear the Spirit of God is saying to someone here, why do you, why, why, why do you look so moody and so, so rejected? What is happening to you has nothing to do with the love of God. Your experience has nothing to do with whether God loves you or not. What is happening to you is that which is common to all men. The trials you are passing through, the difficulties you are passing through, the role of God in it is to produce an escape route. Don't say in your heart, oh Lord, why have you sent this to me? What God is offering to you is an escape route. The role of God in your trial is an escape route. So why don't you just say, Lord, I receive your help today. I receive your help today. In the midst of it all, I choose to say, thank you, Lord, for all you've done for me. And the trial of our faith will give us to patience. That when you walk through it, you produce patience and endurance like a gold refined for the glory and the honor of God, your creator. So if you're asking, Lord, why me? This is the reason. If you're asking God, why? This is the reason. So speak to God at this moment and say, Lord, I receive your help. I receive your help. I receive your help. Now I know that you've been thinking of me right from the beginning. I have an understanding that your desire for me is to remain or, or, or to, to, to operate with you in faith. Some of us have tried to keep the law, but we keep failing. Actually, the law was not meant to be kept. The law was not meant to be kept. If you want to keep the law, then you keep falling because you don't have capacity to keep the law. It's by faith. It's by faith. Hallelujah. In fact, the essence of the law is to show man that he cannot do it on his own. So just believe. Amen. That's the reason for the law. So say, Lord, I confess that I've been trying to do it my own way. But today, Lord, I choose to believe your way. And your way is faith in Christ Jesus. And I choose to agree with your way. I choose to align with your way. And if you are here and you are still battling in between opinions, whether you will be serious with your life or you will not, whether you will engage God in your life or you will not, today is the day of the Lord. You have an opportunity to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Coming to church will not save you. Walking in teams and, and, and ministry will not save you. What will save you is your faith in the finished work of Christ. Giving your tithes and your offering cannot save you. No matter how much you put in the, in the offering box, it will not save you. What will save you is obedience. Obedience in faith. That is, you believe in Jesus. 
You believe in what he has given to us in Christ Jesus. You believe in the salvation that comes through Christ Jesus. So if you are here and then you are yet to be born again, you are yet to receive this life, all these things we've been talking about these few weeks will be a mystery to you. You cannot understand them because these things can only be spiritually discerned by those who have possessed the spirit of God in them. So if you want to become a partaker of these glorious riches, then you have to believe in Jesus. That is the entrance.